Fish and loaves. I know this is a familiar verse to a lot of folks here. But maybe, just maybe, I'll add something that you may not have considered before. So we're going to pick it up in John 6, verse 1, reading through verse 13. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs that he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to submit my basket to you and then allow me to step back and for you to step forward and proclaim what it is that you would like for us to hear. Thank you, Lord. Open our hearts and minds to your truth, Lord. May we be very receptive, and may we be very faithful in discharging that which you have instructed us to do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fish and loaves. Well, we see this is a kind of a tough time in the life of Jesus. It was tough because John the Baptist had just been beheaded by Herod. The word came to Jesus, and the Bible says that in all four Gospels that he got into a boat and went across the sea. Now, it was such an important miracle that all four Gospels mention this. You know, and I'm thinking this miracle is so profound to the disciples that it necessarily affected their ministry, their lives, their futures. Because I see it, when I look at Jesus and I see the thousands of people, Matthew and Mark record that that there were 5,000 men besides women and children. So we don't know how many thousands of people there were, but we do know that there was at least 5,000. And the thing about it is, five barley loaves and two fish, why Jesus, you would have had me at number eight. Because there were five pieces of food there. Give it to five people. Have that there. And perhaps a few to others. But Lord, this is amazing to me. I see that. And yet, 
we see thousands of people were not only filled, but were satisfied, filled to where there was no longer any hunger. Well, the background, when Jesus got into a boat on one side of the Sea of Galilee to go to the other side, the Bible says the crowd ran around, it's actually around the, the northern end of the Sea of Galilee, the very tip of it. And they went through Bethsaida. Philip is from Bethsaida. And so as they are running through the villages and telling the other people that Jesus is going to the other side, the uh, gospel writers record that some met him there when he got off the ship. Others came a little later. But then he sat down to teach them and to heal, the gospel writers would say. And so here it was at the end of the day, getting into the evening hours. Jesus asked them what they should do. There were four options that were presented. I want you to see that. The Bible tells us in Matthew and Mark, the disciples' first option sounds eerily familiar to 21st century Christianity. For what they say? Send them away. You know, churches today, we don't have enough seats. But just send them away. And they were saying, give them the opportunity to go in the villages, buy their own food. I'm sure they're hungry. Obviously, they're hungry. They, you've been teaching this afternoon. They have sat. They have been very obedient. They have been very attentive. They're hungry. Send them away. Send them away. Let them fend for themselves. We tend to do that a lot in the churches today. We see the spiritual hunger of people especially. And... We feel like we can't facilitate them with our small group Bible study. We don't have enough space. We need, we need overflow crowds here. Make provisions. And some would say, well, you know, we're, we're large enough. We have enough people. Surely we don't need more. Send them away. That's option number one. Sounded good, didn't it? Jesus had compassion on them, Matthew 14 said, but the disciples wanted them to go away. The Bible says Jesus had compassion on them like sheep without a shepherd. Well, the second option, was he mentioned to Philip. As he turns to Philip, he says to him, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip. I love it. Philip is from Bethsaida. They're close to Bethsaida. So it would make sense that Philip would know where the McDonald's were, you know? So he said, where are we going to send these people? Where are we going to find the food for these people? Philip said, well, you know, 200 denarii are are eight months wages. It wouldn't suffice. I I don't know about you, but uh, in my experience with churches, when you want to see something that God's about to do, the first thing that's handed to you is a treasurer's report. <laughs> you ever notice that? And that's nothing against treasurers or finance committees because they know the pressure in the congregation to maintain that budget line. We can't do this. It's not in our budget. We say the same thing as individuals. God says, I want you to talk to this particular person. I want you to provide for this particular need. I want you to help in some way. And our first response is, I don't have the resources for that. 
How many times have I seen people who are going on mission trips, their first response, I really feel God wants me to go do this, then why aren't you signed up? I don't have the resources. I remember, I've told many of you about one of our dear friends who has passed away, but she was just a, a jewel. She was my uh, women's ministry leader. And she would do women's retreats all over the world. All, you know, basically all over the country. And she was a retired school teacher. Her name is Millie. Millie is a jewel of a friend of ours who passed away a few years ago. So Millie was looking for the Lord's movement in her life, basically. We had been to Lithuania. The Lithuanian missionary told me, she said, you know, I've been praying for 14 years to have a women's retreat. Why haven't you had it? I hadn't found the person, she said. I said, well, I've got the person for you. So when we got back to the States, we called Millie. Her first response is, I'd love to go. I don't have the financial resources. I didn't ask you, I said, if you had financial resources. I asked you if you were willing to go. To which she said, yes, I am willing. I said, that's all I want to know. I don't worry about the financial resources. The next Sunday morning, we were at a Bible study class, and I I just kind of mentioned this in prayer, that we have a need. We have a missionary couple that wants to have a women's retreat. We have the women's retreat leader. We just need the financial resources. So I didn't even get home. The phone was ringing before I even got through the door. And the person picked up and said, you know, I just got a, my annual bonus. And we, my wife and I have been praying about what to do with this annual bonus. We'd like to underwrite her trip to Lithuania for this. And I, and I called up Millie. I said, okay, Millie, you ready to go? Your bag's packed? Well, you know, I told you about, I said, nah, don't, don't get any further. How often do we immediately, individually, or corporately as a church, as an organization, first and foremost give God the financial requirement? Does He not own the resources in the world anyway? Corey Tinboom, I will never forget, I was at a National Congress on Prayer in Dallas, and she had just spoken for like an hour, and there was a there was a microphone time, a question and answering period. And one of the questions that came to her, they said, Miss Tinboom, you travel all over this world. How can you financially afford to do this? She says, well, I tell you. She says, the Bible says the cattle on a thousand hills are the Lord's. She said, I just asked the Lord to sell a few cows. <laughs> Philip. How are we going to feed these people? I don't know. We don't have the resources for this. We can't do it. Hudson Taylor, who was the founder of the China Commission, was over there in spite of the language barrier, in spite of the cultural differences, in spite of of all of the surroundings and circumstances. Hudson Taylor, by the end of his life in 1905, there were 205 preaching stations in China, 849 missionaries, and 125,000 Chinese Christians. He made the statement, God's people on God's mission will never lack God's resources. So how are we going to do it? 
Don't you dare let finances be that first response. So then, Andrew comes in and spoke up and said, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Andrew. I can imagine. Andrew was a people person. We hear two accounts of him in the Scripture where he's taking people to Jesus. He introduced Jesus to Peter and Peter to Jesus. He had a Greek contingency in John 12 that, that he introduced to Jesus. He's always taking people to Jesus. I can picture him working the crowd and, and just working it up with this little boy. And this boy is very proud of this basket of loaves and fish that his mother prepared for him. And as they're discussing about food, I can feel a tug on Andrew's sleeve. And this little boy with the eyes of faith looking up at him and said, you can have, you can have my lunch. I can just picture that. And here's Andrew. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know the answer to the question, but he just knew if I just take it to Jesus. Jesus knows what he can do. The faith that you and I exhibit or express is is discovering what we believe that Jesus can do. Ephesians 3.20 puts it this way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Immeasurably more than all we ask or can imagine. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet clearly seen. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Andrew says, I don't know the answer, Jesus. But I just know I need to take it to you. I just need to take it to you. Well, I want you to look at the boy. You know, if he was alive today, he'd have a lunchbox. As it was, he had a basket. I can picture in those days, he probably had had a picture of the, either the patriarchs. Maybe he had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob or on his lunchbox. Maybe he had Elijah. Maybe it's a picture of Elijah on the mountain as he's going against the prophets of Baal, you know. That's what I'd do. Boy, I had a Roy Rogers lunchbox. <laughs> My kids had things like Batman and others. But I can just picture the mother as she is sitting there in her house in that small village preparing this lunch for her son. The word was spreading quickly through the village. Jesus is coming. He's in a boat. He's heading to our shoreline. She may be, we don't know who she is. Maybe she's at home with other children, other small kids. She can't go with her son. So she packs him a lunch. She's got five barley loaves, two small fish. Now when you say these fish, usually in that day and age, were the size of sardines. We're not talking anything huge here. So as she packed it up in his basket and kissed him on the head and sent him off. It was a young boy. I can tell you, having been a young boy, I'm not sure I'm willing to to share my food to that extent. I might give a bite here and there. But the whole basket, the faith of this boy, you'll meet him one day, those of you who are believers in Jesus Christ. Won't that be a fun thing to do? You can have mine, he says, Now, what's significant about that? 
He offered all he had. He offered everything that he had. Didn't have much, but he offered it. Now, what are you offering today to Jesus? Do you offer everything you've got, or are there segments that you feel are reserved for your own pleasure? Are there compartments that you have placed certain assets or items or or time or categories in that you really have kept aloof from Jesus, or so you think? Where are you? In this fish in loaves, what have you offered him? Well, then I want to look at the loaves. Let's look at those. Because the Bible says that it was five small barley loaves and two small fish. Barley loaves and fish. Do you know that barley is the breadstuff of the poor people? It was the poorest of all the breads in that day. And it signified that only poor people ate it. So this mother who gave these five barley loaves, these little barley cakes to her son, was recognized by the crowd as not being one of financial substance. She was poor. Let's just say it. She was poor. The little boy was poor. It was all they had. And these two small fish. You know, it's not significant. Moses came to God in his calling. He said, I'm not capable. I'm not qualified. I don't have... The speech, I'm not the orator that Aaron, my brother, is. Choose him. God said, what's in your hand, Moses? Staff. All shepherds carry a staff. That's what I have, a staff. Throw it down. And it became a snake. Pick it up again. And it became a staff. But the point is, God says, whatever you have in your hand, I'll take. And I'll use if you give it to me in faith. So the little boy says, I don't have much, but what I've got is yours. And God took it and blessed it. The Bible says, Jesus looked heavenward and blessed it and broke it and distributed it. And everybody had what they needed. They were all filled, the Bible says. All of them. There was no hunger left. They were all filled. No wonder all four gospel writers included this particular miracle. It was astounding. Now, it's kind of interesting. When you move on, there's an account of Mark where Jesus removed himself and went up into the mountain to be alone. And the disciples got into a boat and went out on the sea. And the waters became rough and the disciples became afraid. Now Mark 6 says it this way. That because the people, the disciples in that boat did not understand the miracle of the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Now isn't that interesting? And we come today, we're looking for a There's rarely a day that goes by that I don't hear somebody looking for a miracle. I want the miracle of healing. I want the miracle of of companionship. 
I want the miracle of salvation. I want the miracle of... And on and on the list goes. Do we not fully embrace what has transpired here in this scripture? As far as miracles go? It's an astounding story. And it's right there before us. And look at the players. You've got the twelve disciples who spent three and a half years in the inner circle with Jesus Christ. Of course, I know we're looking 2,000 years later. In retrospect, we've got it all written down. We weren't there. How hard it is for some people to believe in this Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ. There it is. Sometimes I wish we were like that lad. The disciples later on were were struggling and fighting among themselves as to who was the greatest. The Bible said that Jesus took a small lad and put him in front of him and said, Accept your faith. What does he say? Become like the faith of a small child. You can in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. What's the faith of a small child? It's a little boy holding up what he has, and that's all he has. Of course, we know there are 12 basketfuls left over. Jesus is saying to the disciples, "You each one take a basket, and you feed a spiritually hungry world. But you don't feed them until they're filled with the gospel and the Spirit of God. Don't stop feeding them until that transpires. Well, in the hands of the master, fish and loaves become significant. In the hands of the master, a shepherd's staff becomes significant. These things in themselves aren't much. Barley (laughs) wouldn't even get a recognition from the crowd. Fish that size? No, not hardly. But in the hands of Jesus, the insignificant becomes significant. The simple becomes the complex. The the thing that is so hard to understand becomes extraordinary in the hands of Jesus. So my question to you today is, what's in your hand? What have you got? What have you offered to the Lord? What would happen if your life was in the hands of Jesus and he began to use it to astound the world as we know it? I cannot comprehend that. What would happen to this congregation if we began to put this our lives in the hands of Jesus and this congregation in the hands of Jesus? Lord, I I don't know what you can do with it, but it's all yours without reservation or hesitation. It's all yours, Lord Jesus. And take our resources. Take whatever you want. It's all yours, Lord, because God loves to glorify himself. He loves to confound the, the complex with simplicity. He loves to take that which is seen as not very important, the unimportant, and astound the masses. He loves it. Well, maybe you're here today and 
you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is your opportunity to do just that. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're looking for a church home. I don't know any place I'd recommend to you higher than Trinity Baptist Church. It's a great place to serve the Lord. So you're looking to serve the Lord? We'd love to have you. We would love to have you. Some of you are saying, well, I'm not looking to serve the Lord. You know, you're not going to see much happen in your life that goes beyond the extraordinary. But for those of us that are willing to say, Lord, it's all yours. Attitude, heart, assets, property, everything. It's all yours, Lord. Do with it what you want you're going to find some miraculous things begin to transpire in your life that God and God alone can take credit for. I'll assure you, because the Scripture does. In a few moments, we're going to have uh, the invitation. I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decisions that you have on your heart. You come as the Lord so directs. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we do pray. Father, for these for whom, through whom you're working, who are making decisions even as we speak, Lord God, I pray that no one leaves this building without trusting you. Father, I pray that no one leaves this building with indecision because the fact that they have not decided has been a decision in itself. Father, clarify your will to us. Make it known. And we want to be very careful to give you the praise and the glory for it all. Thank you for what you're doing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you stand and sing the hymn of invitation? I'll be here at the front to pray with you about your decision.